Hey, what's up, guys? We are so excited that you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can connect and engage with other Grace members around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. All right, uh, I'm going to call an audible today. I had originally planned to preach a different message than, a one, than the one I'm about uh, to speak to you today. And, and the reason is, I want to I talk to you about why we worship. And the reason is, for some time, God has been uh, stirring me that we really need to disciple our church in the area of worship. I want to be a worshiping church. I don't want to just be a church with good music. I want to be a worshiping church, a church of worshipers. Now you say, well, what's the big deal about that? It's because worship is the key to the presence of God. I want to say that again. I think worship is a huge key to accessing the presence of God. And how many know we desperately need the presence of God today, right now? I think that people are in too much pain. I think that the the world is far too serious. I think that the spiritual warfare surrounding us is way too intense for us to just come to church, have services, and then just go home. We need to come in, experience, and encounter the glory of the living God who has the power to heal, change, deliver, save, right? That's what we desperately need. And, and worship is such a, a big part of that. And so to, to, today, I want you to follow along with me uh, on your notes, if you would, and write this down. How many know we all worship something? We all worship something. Everybody is showing their affection to something with their time, with their energy, with their money, your love expression, whatever it might be, is going toward something. I think the definition of worship is our response to what we value the most. So worship is our response to what we value the most. And how many know you can always tell by uh, what somebody values by the amount of time, energy, and money they spend doing it, right? Uh, some people value shopping. Some people value golf or football. Some people value God. And, and let me just say, uh, God doesn't mind us loving things. What he minds is us loving things more than him. Remember the first commandment in the Ten Commandment, you shall have no other, no other gods, no other loves uh, be, before me. But Paul says in Romans chapter 1, I'm not, we're not going to turn there, but in Romans chapter 1, something happens when we exchange the worship of God for something else. Paul said that uh, people's minds begin to be warped, or uh, the word he uses, the King James says, reprobate. How I many know that sounds like a real bad word? I mean, that's like Christian cussing. You're a reprobate, right? But he said the, the warped view of thinking is we exchange the worship of the creator with the worship of the creation. 
And he says, that you've, you've warped your view of thinking. And how many would say, that sounds a lot like our culture. And I think as we race toward the end of time, toward the return of Jesus, we're seeing that more and more, that people are exchanging the worship of God for the worship of things, and that's messed up. So what I'm about to teach you today, um, I heard some time ago, and I knew when I heard it immediately, I need to share it with the church. So let me ask this first question. Who was the first worshiper? Or should I ask, who was the first one to mess this up? His name is Lucifer, right? He's an archangel in the Bible. Now, a little bit of background. There are three named angels in the Bible. Uh, Michael was, is an archangel, and Michael is most often associated with prayer in the Bible. Remember in the book of Daniel, Daniel is praying and fasting for 21 days. Michael comes with an answer to prayer. Uh, Gabriel is an archangel, and he's most often associated with messages uh, or words from God. Remember, Gabriel in the Christmas story shows up uh, to Mary and says, hey, you're going to have a baby. Uh, it's going to be from the Holy Spirit, and that baby's name is going to be Jesus. And then the other archangel that is mentioned is Lucifer. And of course, Lucifer is most often associated with worship. A lot of people believed he was connected in heaven with worship. I'm going to show that to you from, from the Bible here in just a second. So I want you to notice prayer, word, and worship, which, by the way, are the three parts of the Christian life. And those should be the three parts of every service, right? We pray, we worship, we hear the word of God. If you are walking with Jesus, these are the things that should be in your quiet time. There should be some time of prayer. There should be some time reading the Bible. And there should be some time worshiping. That is not by accident. That's the pattern in heaven. Does that make sense? So let's start with Isaiah chapter 14. And we're going to go in the deep end of the pool here for about 15 minutes. So I want you to really uh, do your best to just lock in with me for these next 15 minutes. Because I think if you get this, this can really change your life. Okay? So Isaiah 14 verse 12, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. The first thing I want you to notice in these verses, that five different times Lucifer says, I will. That's kind of like the theme of Lucifer. It's all about me, right? And then he says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. And the other thing I want you to notice is all of these high things that Lucifer says, ascend. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mountain of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. You see, this is about highness. And notice what he says. He says, I will be like the most high. Now, I think what Satan didn't like was God being called the most high God. But how many know Satan can't change who God is? God is the most high God. There is no one above him. There is no thing. There is no power. There is no principality above God. He is above all things. Somebody give God praise if you believe that that's true. And I, I think that's why God takes it personal when we put things above him. 
And I think that means we need to be careful what we worship, what we give our time, our energy, and our love to. Because if we love anything more than God, we are doing exactly what Lucifer did. And that's dangerous. In Isaiah verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 11, he continues on, he says, your pomp is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your stringed instruments. Now, first of all, I want you to see your pomp. That word pomp is like pride. It's like show. And, and if that sounds familiar, remember Proverbs says, pride goes before what? A fall. He was exactly referring to Lucifer here. Your pomp, your pomp is brought down. So how many know pride is the spirit of Lucifer, right? And then, and then he says, and the sound of your stringed instrument. Now, this is, this is good. Some theologians believe that Satan didn't play instruments. He was an instrument. And if we could have seen him, somehow he would have looked like a stringed instrument. Now, I don't know exactly what that could look like. Perhaps we'll see someday uh, in the, on the other side of eternity. But Isaiah is saying the sound of your stringed instruments. And in Ezekiel 28 is the other part that describes Lucifer. He says, son of man, take up a, a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him. Now, by the way, don't get confused by that because you're saying, hey, pastor, he's talking to the king of Tyre. He's actually talking to the spirit of Lucifer and operation with the king of Tyre. All right? It's kind of like Jesus uh, in the New Testament when he said, and when he said to Peter, he said, get behind me, Satan. I got to be careful where I point when I make this point here today. Right? He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was speaking to the spirit that was at work, a spirit of pride, a spirit of self. Are you getting this? Now, verse 12, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were... Everybody say were. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. Now, how many know the king of Tyre was never in Eden? But Lucifer was. The garden of God, every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, diamond, barrel, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. Now, this is not, that may not make a lot of sense right now, but I want you to hold on to that because it's going to mean a lot here in a few minutes. He says, every precious stone was your covering. So God covered Lucifer with diamonds, with bling. Are, are you getting this? So he was a stringed instrument covered with all of this stuff. And then uh, he, goes on, he goes on to say, and he was adorned emeralds with gold. And he says, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. Now, how many know timbrels are like cymbals? You bang together to make noise. And pipes are a wind instrument. He says, that was your workmanship. So the Bible is describing what Satan looked like. And if you're musical at all, you already see this, that Satan is described as having all three of the major instruments, right? Uh, stringed instruments are something you pluck. Percussion instruments are something you hit. A wind instrument is something you blow. And the Bible is saying Satan was all three of those things. Every orchestra is separated into three sections. 
There's the stringed instruments with the violins and the cellos. There are the wind instruments like the clarinets and the, and the French horns and the tubas. And then there's the percussion instruments. There's the drums and the cymbals and the xylophones. The Bible says Satan was every single one of these instruments. And, and, and this is why uh, our youth pastor was telling me that, that this is a popular conversation on TikTok right now is how Lucifer is connected to music. And this is, this is where it comes from. Lucifer was those things. And then verse 14, he says, you were anointed as a guardian cherub. Now, I want you to see this, that, that God chose to put an anointing on music. How many of you would agree that music is very powerful? And I think a lot of us underestimate its power, both for the good and for the negative. But music is very powerful. How, uh, this is why people go crazy over music stars. Some of you are old enough to remember when the Beatles came to America, it was called the invasion. What was the big deal? It certainly wasn't because of their good looks or their haircuts, right? Well, can you explain to me why Taylor Swift keeps breaking the internet? There is a power there in music. How else can you explain musicians that look like they fell out of an ugly tree and hit every branch? <laughs> and yet, they are married to these gorgeous people. Why does... Come on, somebody. You know Steven Tyler came to mind right there. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? Some of you are looking up Steven Tyler. I promise you, you're going to regret it. As soon as you see, you're like, oh, my word, that's what he's talking about. Why? Why does music have so much power? Because God anointed it. Now, listen. I think we underestimate the power of music. And this is why my personal choice is I don't listen. I don't make it a habit to listen to secular music. Now, secular music is kind of a churchy term, but what, I guess another way to say it is I don't make it a habit to listen to any music that doesn't explicitly honor God. Now, that's my conviction, and, and, and that's important to me. I'm not going to put my conviction on you. You have the Holy Spirit. His name is not Wayne, all right? And so, but I do think we all need to evaluate what we listen to, and it's power, because let's be honest, some music is anointed powerfully to actually draw people away from God and to convince you to exchange the worship of God for the worship of stuff. Come on, somebody. I, I think we've got to, uh, I love what Pastor Evan said. He said, we've got to purify our Spotify, right? Now, I'm not condemning anybody for listening to a song that is not Christian in nature, but I, I think we've got to be careful. We've got to pay attention to what we're listening to. Because how many know music is powerfully in a negative way, but how many know music is powerfully in a good way? How many, how many would say, boy, then worship was anointed today, right? It's powerful in that way too. And, and this is why we're talking about worship. This is why we're talking about this. Because some people come to church and think like worship's no big deal. And let's be honest, you're tempted to say, or you're critical or whatever, it's not a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's an amazing deal because it has the power to draw us to the Lord. Keep going to verse, chapter 28, verse 15. 
He says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through you, through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. Here's what, here's what happened is, I think what Ezekiel is saying, Lucifer, you traded what I gave you. I gave you these things to give me glory and you exchanged it to glorify yourself. And this is where you went wrong. And the result is verse 16, I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became what? Proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth and I made a spectacle of you before kings. So Satan is cast out of heaven. So now there's a problem because remember there were three named angels. Michael is still there, right? I'm going to believe that angels help us when we pray. I, I, I believe that. The Bible says when we pray, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. There's a warfare going on. I mean, Gabriel is still there. One of the roles of angels in the Bible is messengers from God. And sometimes the Bible says we entertain angels and we're not even aware of it, right? We got to pay attention. But now there's an unemployed cherub. There's a vacancy. In the role of worship. But God didn't put another angel in his spot, did he? So here's my next question. Who's the new worship leader? Remember, this all took place before Adam was created. Who did God create to worship him? Some of you already know this. It's you. And it's me. It was an angel job. He decided not to get an angel replacement. God decided that he was going to make us. And that was the role we were going to fulfill. Think about it. You and I also are these three instruments. Did you know you are a stringed instrument? You, every one of us have these two strings in our throats called our vocal cords. Just like a piano, when that hammer strikes a piano and those chords start to vibrate like this and creates noise, I mean, go ahead and just put your hand lightly over your throat right now and just say, praise God. Say, praise Jesus. Say, God is good. Do you feel that vibration? Why is it? Because you are a stringed instrument. That's why the Bible says more than 50 times uh, in the Bible to sing to the Lord. Psalm 96 verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. Why? Because you are a stringed instrument. And by the way, you are also a wind instrument. We have these things called lungs. And out of our breath that pushes back, pushes past those cords, those strings, it creates noise. It creates a sound, which is why the scripture says in Psalm, Psalm 150, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And by the way, you are also a percussion instrument because you got two of these bad boys that can put your hands together. And the Bible says to clap your hands, all you people, shout to God. Come on, somebody. Clap your hands, all your people. Hey, some, some of you are getting this and you realize how powerful this is because you were created to worship. You were designed by God to worship him. So the question is, are you doing it? Because you and I have a choice, don't we? 
Do I worship God or do I do what Lucifer did? This is pretty important, isn't it? Well, you know, I don't want to worship God. I'm kind of ticked off at God. I don't want to worship God. I'm tired. Listen, listen. We got to be super careful. Because what we have done in this culture is we've made us God. We have made our whole lives about ourselves. And that's just not the way it works. So let me, let me, I haven't even, that's just the introduction, by the way. I actually have three points to this message. So I'm going to have to go quick. Are you ready? Number one, why, why, why is this important? We need to know that God made me from him. God made me from him. In the creation account, there are two words that are used in creation. God created and God made. God created things and God made things. Now, what's the difference? When you create something, you create it out of nothing. For instance, when God said, let there be light, there was no light before. There was nothing to make light out of. God said, let there be light, and there was He created it out of nothing. But then he made other things out of other things. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear bear fruit with the seed in it. So watch this. God made trees out of the dirt. Now, he made the dirt out of what? Nothing. He created dirt, right? So, but out of the dirt, he made trees. He made vegetation. So some things in the creation account were created, and some things in the creation account were made. Stay with me. Why were some things created out of nothing, and why were some things created out of something else? You might want to write this down. God wanted there to be a relationship between the thing that he made and the thing that it came from. God wanted a relationship between the thing that he made and the thing that it came from. He says, I'm going to make the land, and then I'm going to make out of it, I'm going to create the land, and I'm going to make out of it trees and other things. And that means that trees always have a relationship with the dirt. Is this too much? Are you, are you with me? God made trees from the dirt. I mean, no trees are sustained by the dirt. There are are no such thing as freestanding trees. And trees eventually will return to the dirt. He made made trees from the dirt, sustained by the dirt, and one day the tree will return to dirt. How many know the same thing is true with Adam and Eve? He created Adam, but then he took a bone out of Adam and made Eve, and then Eve, uh, Adam says later, remember, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Why did God make Eve out of Adam? Uh, out of Adam? Because there was always intended to be a relationship between the two. Now, when God creates all mankind in chapter one, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where did he create it from? The Bible says, God said, let us make mankind in our image. And so when God decided to make us, he said, let's make them from us. Let's make them out of us. Come on, somebody. Because he wanted us to be made from him, sustained by him, and returned to him. 
I'm preaching better than you're amen, all right? Listen. Oh, no, no, pastor, 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 uh, you're missing something because the Bible says we were made from the dust. No, your body was made from the dust. And your body is from the dust, sustained by the dust, is why we eat corn and vegetables. Come on, somebody. And we will return to the dust, dust, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But your spirit was made by God and is sustained by God and will return to God. That's good news. That's, that's good news. Why did he do that? Why did he make us that way? Because we were intended to be connected to God. And this is the second point of this message. God didn't just make me out of him. God made me to be with him. And some of you have been going to church for a while. You already know this, that God never intended for Christianity to be a religion. He never intended for there to be an institution. God always wanted a family. He always wanted people. He wanted a relationship with you and with me. And somehow in our religious thinking, we have this warped idea that somehow we are these robotic subjects of God and we will never get to know him. And this is why we always talk about knowing God. It's not just about being saved. It's not just about filling out a form. It's not just about saying, okay. It's saying, I want to know God. I want to know him personally. I want to know him like he's my dad because he is. You keep clapping, you're making me preach longer. It's going to cost you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. Look at what Paul says. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So, so Paul says there is this amazing relationship between a husband and a wife. But then look at what he says. He says, it's a mystery. Because what I'm really talking about is Christ in the church. So God says that the relationship between a husband and wife, probably the most powerful relationship on the earth. And he says that is, that is just a glimpse, just a glimpse of the relationship that God wants to have with you and me. God's greatest desire is to have a relationship with you. That's his greatest desire. And I think we, we get it all messed up, and, and I, don't, I don't know where this came from, but too many of us think that when we get to heaven, you know what heaven's going to be like? We're going to be fat. We're going to float on clouds. We're going to play harps. We're going to go to choir practice for 10,000 hours. That sounds more like hell to me <laughs> than heaven, right? That's not heaven. Listen, You know one of the first things that's going to happen when we all get to heaven? The Bible calls it a marriage. There's a marriage supper of the Lamb. And, and, and our culture is so over-sexualized, we've kind of lost how powerful this is that, that we are the bride of Jesus. And, and one of the very first things that's going to happen to us is that God the Father in this, in this mysterious, spiritual, I don't understand exactly how it's going to work, but he's going to take the, the capital C church, the church of all time, and he's going to take us by the arm. He's going to walk us down the aisle. And we're going to be married. We're going to be eternally connected with Jesus. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us. 
man, there's going to be a party. It's called a marriage supper, which means there's going to be food there. It's going to be music there. It's going to be laughter there. It's going to be a family reunion. People are going to gather there. Imagine the best wedding reception you've ever been to times a 10 million. It's going to be the greatest party of all time, and it's going to last forever. Come on, somebody. That is God's heart. Revelation 21, verse 9, he says, one of the seven angels had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues. He said, come on, I want to show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. I'm going to show you the wife of the lamb. I'm going to show you the church. He carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. He says, let me show you what I've been preparing for for ever since the beginning. Ch- chapter 21, verse 19, it says, the foundations of the city walls were decorated with Every kind of precious stone. Do you remember about Lucifer? God said, I adorned you with all of these precious stones. But then he stripped him from Lucifer. And he's been holding on to them since that time. And he is going to adorn us with his bling. Some of you guys are wondering, why is it such a big deal that husbands, when they can afford it, get their wives the shiny stuff? We get it from Jesus. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Some of you are like, see, some of these wives are saying, see, it's God's will for you to buy me that ring. That's what, that's what Pastor Wayne said. Revelation 19, verse 20, the foundation was jasper and sapphire and emeralds and onyx and rubies and chrysolites and beryl and topaz and turquoise and all of these precious stones. Have you ever wondered why this stuff is in the Bible? He adorns us. He made us with strings. He made us with a wind instrument. He made us with percussion instruments. He adorns us with all of these things. That, that's the why we worship. He's in love with you. Somebody's got to get this in your spirit. The God of heaven is in love with you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And the only thing he wants is for, number three, he wants you to love him back. God made me from him to be with him so that I could love him back. And that's what worship is, isn't it? Worship is loving him back. That's all he wants. He wants us to love him back in as many expressive and beautiful ways that we possibly can. That's why worship is so personal, and that's why worship is so powerful, and that's why when we worship, God shows up, because it doesn't get any more personal than that. Last scripture. John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And you remember this conversation. He says, the time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Everybody say worship. Jesus is saying, he's saying, there's going to be a time and it's now coming when these are the kind of worshipers that God is looking for. And, and, and he said, and the word worship here the people who will worship him in spirit and truth. That word worship, the original Greek word, uh, I'll put it on the screen for you, is pronounced proskuneo. And the word literally translated, 
Remember, we're trying to understand what worship is and why worship is so important. The word proskuneo literally means to kiss the hand. Now hang with me here because some of you are saying, well, that just got a little weird. Pastor, are you saying that God wants me to kiss him? He's not talking about the kind of kissing that lovers do. He's talking about, he's talking about something else. The word means honor. The word means love. Uh, one Some scholars believe that this word, this Greek word, actually is derived from the idea of a dog licking its master's hand. How many of you have ever had a dog come up to you and just kind of lick your hand, right? You know, uh, because we know dogs are from Jesus, right? Uh, When I when I was a kid, we grew up in the woods. We were we were deep in the woods. And we had to walk a quarter of a mile just to catch the bus. Everybody say, oh. It was literally up a hill, so uphill both ways. I'm telling you. So uh, when we would get home from school, the bus would let us off. We'd have to walk to get to the end of our driveway. The end of our driveway was about 100 yards long. And for a while there, we had a dog named Schooner. And when we would get to the end of the, of the driveway, Schooner would come running. He would come running to us, and he would jump on us, and he would lick us, and he would, it was obviously pretty happy, you know, that, that he was happy we were home. And in dog speak, I think Schooner was saying, he's home, 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 he's home. And I think if Schooner could sing, he was like, whatever, he'd probably sing better than me. Now, by the way, how many know a cat would never do that? People don't own cats. Cats own people. Dogs are anointed. I'm just trying to teach you the Bible here, people. I'm just trying. Listen, that's the word Jesus used. The Father is seeking worshipers. He's home, he's home, he's home, he's home, he's home. It's Sunday, it's Sunday, it's Sunday, it's Sunday. I'm going to get the front row. I'm going to get there early. And when the worship starts, nobody's going to have to pull me up. I am ready to worship my God because he's home and he loves me. And I'm his and he is mine. Come on, stand to your feet and give God your best praise of the day right now. Come on, bless the Lord. 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 It's what we were made to do. It's what I was made to do. I bless your name. I bless your name. Come on, lift up your voice. Clap your hands. Use those percussion instruments. Use those stringed instruments. Come on, use that breath. Use that wind instrument. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Come on, lift your voice to heaven. Is the highest your name? Is the greatest your name? Stands above them. Everyone, oh, 
is the greatest your name stands above them come on with everything you've got today he's looking for and that kind of worship and dominion all power and positions your name stands above them oh, your name your name is the highest your name is the greatest your name stands come on let's join with the angels and sing the room here today. No one moving, please honor this sacred moment. If you're honest, you see, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with God like that. But I want it. I want him. I want him. I want to know him. I want him to know me. I know he loves me. I want to love him back. If that's you here today, would you pray with me right now and say, God, Come on, say it out loud if you mean it. God, you love me. Thank you so much. You proved it. You gave me Jesus. I'm sorry for putting anything above you. From this day forward, you are above everything. You are my God. You are my Savior. I love you back. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Come on, your best praise of the day right now. Your best praise. Come on. If you just prayed with us right now, we'd love to know about it so we can pray with you and pray for you. You can use that connection card to do that when you turn it in on your way out. You can also do it electronically if you're watching online. So thank you so much. How many of you would agree worship is a big deal? It's a big deal. And how many of you agree we shouldn't just do it on Sunday? Right? This is a lifestyle that God wants you and I to have. So I want you to, I want you to go from this place hopefully encouraged, challenged, but inspired. Let's not just worship out of duty. Let's not just worship out of anything other than, God, you love me. You made me to worship you. I'm loving you back. Amen. We'll close with this declaration from Scripture. Let's all say it together. Uh, if you would, we're aligning our words with God's words, and that is the power to transform us 
for it is God good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. We worship you with gladness and come before you with joyful songs. You alone are holy. You alone are worthy. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures. Go with God. We love you very much. Have a great day. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to the Grace Assembly of God podcast so you're up to date on all sermons. Also, if you want more Grace content, make sure you subscribe to the Deeper Grace podcast, where Pastor Wayne will dive deeper into his most recent message. Have a great week, and God bless.